Well, good morning, and welcome to worship again on this, the day the Lord has truly made. It is an honor to be with you today. I just, I have a sermon, and, and I'll get to that in a minute, I promise. You may thank me later for doing this, I don't know. I wanted to take a moment and say thank you to, to this community, to this congregation, to your staff, your clergy, to this choir, for the opportunity to, to be here today. As Reverend Estevez mentioned, I've spent my career 14 years uh, as an Army chaplain. I recently went into the reserves just a couple years ago. Um, my wife decided uh, that it was the Army or dot, dot, dot. Um, not exactly an ultimatum, but somewhere along those lines. So I left Special Operations Command where I had served the last four years of my active duty life with United States Special Operations Command down in Tampa, Florida. Very blessed, very lucky, very fortunate to teach at the Joint Special Operations University that's down there, to deploy and to combat and to serve with the special operations community. Now, if you're wondering, I am not a Green Beret. Um, I'm not a Green Beret, but uh, they let me wear the beard and hang out with them sometimes, so I'm, I'm a groupie. I get, I get to be there. I get to serve that community. And I say that to say that chaplaincy is it's, it's a little different than congregational ministry. It's a little different than being called to this setting, right? Um, your chorus, your choral, is, it's, it's, uh, they're they're a little bit better than 20 guys in the woods trying to scream out a song uh, after we just, you know, did a firefight or something like that. So, when I get the opportunity to come to a congregation, to, to come to a community, I really have to play a little coy because I love this. I love being in these spaces. I love being able to share in the long line and the tradition of this pulpit and all those who have come before me. So, I was really excited when I got the call to be here a few weeks ago. I was really excited on Monday as I begin to work through a sermon here. And then I'm also really excited about Transfiguration Sunday, about today. For me, this is probably when this day is in my top three of the most important days in our Christian tradition. The majority of my colleagues disagree with me. That is fine. Transfiguration Sunday, Maundy Thursday, and Holy Saturday are days that we often overlook. Everybody loves Good Friday and Easter and Christmas, right? But these three days in particular, the one we find ourselves in now, there's something special going on this day. So, so I, I have the opportunity to, to come to this incredible congregation. I get to preach. I get to ascend into this pulpit up here. I get to do so on a day that is really special to me as well. And then I'm the guy that has to show up on the Sunday after a sleepless week, at least for me. I'm the guy that gets to show up on the Sunday after the largest act of military aggression on the European continent, debatably, since the Second World War. I'm the guy that gets to show up here and pretend like we're going to talk about Transfiguration Sunday while the world as we know it is transforming around us in a very particular way. And I, I'm not here to be an alarmist. I'm saying this because I'm going to renegotiate my contract with your clergy after this day. So. <laughs> I'm saying this because I have to confess to you that this week has been a rather sleepless week. 
For many of you who may have children or loved ones in the military, perhaps you've spent some nights asleep or awake in your past as well. If you're paying attention, there's, there's reason to stay awake this past week. There's reason to hold vigil. There's reason to be concerned, perhaps not afraid, but concerned. So with that in mind and with the privilege of being your guest for my own soul, I'm going to ask that we pause, and hopefully this doesn't draw out our service too much longer, but that we pause, that we bow our heads and that we join our hearts in a moment of silence prayer or reflection for the lives that have been lost, for the precious, precious opportunity of peace that it may not slip through our hands as it seems to have already done. Let us, let us bow and join our hearts. God of mercy, may this silence that we share in echo through eternity. May these prayers that we offer that may never reach our lips, but rest within our hearts, be known unto you, a God we are told that is a God of peace. In this hour as we join, we are mindful of wives who are widows, of mothers who weep at graves in this hour. May we, in some way, however we can find it, live into the opportunity of peace, be harbingers of hope for this world, be stewards of a better chance, for the children that are in our own midst and those that are abroad. We are mindful of the loss of life. We are mindful of the conflict and the aggression, and yet we are hopeful of your love and the opportunity to find peace. For this, for all those who at this hour live in fear, May your spirit move. Together we say amen. amen. Thank you. Please join me in prayer. O God, who before the Passion revealed your glory upon the Holy Mount, grant that we here ever striving towards the reconciliation of all creation, ever open and welcome to the transformative power of your love, commit our hearts to the seasons ahead in a new and reimagined way of being. May we commit our hands to the transfigured love which only you have shown unto us may be ceaseless by your mercy. 
Therefore, we are bold to join together on this day through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and my redeemer. Friends, I I believe it is no coincidence that as we close our epiphany season, as we look squarely into the eyes of the season of Lent that is just around the corner, that we join together this day to hear of the transformative power of God, which we're able to not merely witness, but participate within. I believe it's no coincidence that our gospel this morning speaks towards how we can see the literal transformation of our world around us. The temperature this morning may not necessarily feel like it. The seasons are changing. Hope of spring and the journey of Lent is just around the corner. I believe it's no coincidence that as we begin to reimagine our lives, our daily activities, as we look forward to not having to shovel snow, as we look forward to not having to worry about the comings and goings of our children on slick roads, in light of this coming season, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're brought intimately into the opportunity to reimagine faith. We hear of transfiguration this morning. We hear of the reimagining of our Lord. While an oft-overlooked, and I could argue it out, an oft-misused text this morning, our gospel acutely speaks to the heart, I believe, of what being a person of faith truly is. While not laden with what we're normally used to, perhaps, not drenched with the standard stories of miraculous feedings, parables of sacrifice. And our gospel this morning at first glance perhaps may feel a little harsh. We hear God, Jesus, our Christ, literally bemoan, literally lament, literally cry out, how much longer shall I be with you perverse generation? Paraphrasing. God laments, looks at his disciples around him, and can only imagine him shaking his head. In a way, my wife shakes her head at me sometimes, right? How much longer must I? Well, he said forever. I believe our gospel this morning is truly and strategically calling us to reflect, review, and ultimately reimagine as individuals and as a community what it means to believe we know how to do faith. This is part of why I think Transfiguration Sunday is so important. Our gospel this morning speaks to the ephemeral nature of our own lives, the spiritual attributes of living a life of love, dedicated to grace and mercy. But it asks us to question. It invites us to reimagine a transfigured way of how we have always done this. Some of you may may laugh at me um, when I say this, but I was young once. It's a setup. Thank you. Um, I was young once, and 
As a young soul, like, like many of us, I decided I was going to venture off into this brave new world, setting my own path into that horizon of opportunity that, that feels so endless when your metabolism is fierce and your back doesn't hurt just because you slept wrong last night. And on this, my, my first grand attempt into setting out into this big world we share, I ended up, after some wailing and bemoaning and flights and gnashing of teeth, in the foothills of Tibet, in this little monastery outside of a place called Zhongdian in the Yunnan province of China. It's, it's way down in the southern corner. In one end, you have these jungles and this rich environment that touches Vietnam. And then on the farther end of it, it stretches up to the base of Tibet to where the mountains begin to rise. And you can see those Himalayas. And I found myself there living in a Tibetan Buddhist monastery, spending my days working with the monks in an orphanage that was at the base of this hill, and my nights up in the monastery in silent meditation, on the dirt floors with these monks, with the smell of yak. Luckily, I was raised on a dairy farm in southern Illinois, so that was fine. The smell of those yaks in the air was cut with the incense, lofting through that thin, cold, piercing air. And it was there, in this brave new world to me, where I was a stranger, where I was a foreigner, over lunch one day, cleaning the pots and pans as we did in repetition down in the orphanage that the monastery and the monks ran and supervised and, and took care of. It was there with a particular monk that I had befriended who was, come to find out, assigned me to be my handler because apparently 19-year-old me needed one of those at, at the time. It was there that I turned to him as we're cleaning these pots and pans and I say to him boldly, and I know what I'm talking about, I say, I see a lot of Christ in you. Was I wrong? And your commitment to your faith and your diligent, unyielding resilience in your comings and your goings, in your everyday actions, and how you feed the needy and the poor of this community, and how you have committed your life to a better future for all those around you, not just some of you. I see a lot of Christ in you. And he turned to me with a deep but polite downturned smile and a sigh. Looked me into the eyes, perhaps looked into my soul, and he said, thank you. <clears throat> that is beautiful, as is your Christ. But I wish you would see a lot of me in me first. Now, I could stand before you and take you on some more journeys and tell you some more tales and Stories of sunset over those intrepid mountains. I can tell you of my days spent on those steeps and those plains with goat herders learning the stars in all their brilliant glory when you're that close to the heavens. I can tell you of connecting with God in new and powerful ways. But my point here 
And family, let me be clear, I think more importantly, the point of our gospel this morning is to see that in my moment that I shared with you, in that fleeting exchange of understanding, in my own ignorance, in my own privilege, in my own projections of my beliefs and my system, and the deployment of my faith upon another individual who had their own deeply rooted faith tradition, and the humbly rebuttaled education that I receive, I came face to face, I think, with an example of what it means to reimagine my faith. To come face to face with what it means to truly see transfiguration. The ability of God to love all peoples, regardless of the words they use for God. Bear with me here. Because ultimately, I believe that that is our call this morning. That is our decree. This is the task which God sets out before us this day. That we have set aside to review ourselves, to look forward to reimagining stoic ways of going about doing our business. This reimagination, this transfiguration of faith that we are being called into this morning, it's one that takes the time to learn, that takes the time to reflect from those moments that we are faced with the opportunity to reconsider how we've thought about ourselves and our God, how we've believed that there is an elect, perhaps, few, this is the transfiguration that calls us to see not only the importance, but the magnitude and the significance of welcoming the stranger into our midst. This is the reimagining that allows us to see God in the margins of society, not just where it is comfortable for us to go. This is the reimagining that calls to a revolutionary leadership that you have a participatory stake in, that is modeled after Christ, yes, but that is called for you to live out into your community, into your family, into your relationships. Our gospel narrative and this day of transfiguration invites us into the opportunity to be more. To be not simply a well-fed cog in the preordained and pre-subscribed understandings of what this tradition has taught us, of who we're supposed to welcome or how we're supposed to welcome them. But the day of transfiguration invites us to review that within our own hearts. This day invites us to reimagine how we have loved ourselves. This day of transfiguration invites each and every one of us here to look back in the history of our own lives, however long or short, and recall a day that we had to reimagine ourselves, perhaps in the light of trauma, perhaps in the light of war, perhaps in the light of opportunity. But how have we reimagined ourselves? Can each and every one of us here with honesty say that the 14-year-old version of ourselves imagined that we would be doing this today? I'm not entirely sure that if you told 14-year-old Chase he'd be wearing a purple robe and looks like Barney, 
in one of the most beautiful churches in Michigan that he didn't believe that this is where I was going to end up? How have we reimagined ourselves into a way that has brought us into this moment? See, my friends, this is the depth of Transfiguration Sunday. This is the depth of this day, the depth of our call. This is the power that each and every one of you here share. Wolfhart uh, Pannenberg reminds us that hopes, I'll say this again, hopes are seldom fulfilled in ways in which they were originally imagined. Our gospel narrative this morning speaks to us of this reality. We hear of Peter in more than just an act of hospitality, but in an act of standard practice, in an act of repetition, in an act of doing business the way he's always done business. Speak out and ask if he should set up three tents. This was the way he had learned to do faith. There's nothing wrong with that. But through the transfiguration of Christ, through the reimagining of what was going to happen, through the reimagining of the way things had always been done, the request to set up three tents was met with a profoundly and newly reimagined way to go about doing business and being a member of faith. No tents were to set up that day. This demands that we ask a particular question. Family. So what is the consequence? What is the call here? What is this leading to? What is this reimagining? This demands that we ask, shall we continue to breathe the plague of loving the way things have always been done more than loving the opportunity of reimagining our faith, of our ways of doing and being in community? Shall we breathe the plague of loving the old way? Or shall we welcome the transfiguration and the reimagining of our own lives and our own faith in a new way of being in community? That is the question. That is a thread that is woven throughout our entire identity as Christians. It's one that you can't tease out, but it's one that on this day we are faced with squarely. Let me be clear. I'm pretty set in my ways. I have a sneaking suspicion some of us amongst us here may be as well, right? I drink a particular brand of beverage. I place my toothbrush in a very particular place every night before I go to bed. 14 years in the Army is going to teach you certain things, right? And I've learned, and I've had to reimagine for being married for a couple years now, that it's not the end of the world if that toothbrush isn't necessarily where I thought it needed to be, right? We reimagine relationships. Maybe it's not about the toothbrush, right? Maybe if you can let that go, your night may go better than you want it to, right? I'm not telling us to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not telling us to not show up next Sunday, to not do faith. I'm telling us to deeply reflect. It's not just me. Our gospel is telling us to deeply reflect and take this opportunity to reimagine how we do faith. 
for a community that is in the process of a search and call, for a community that, dare I say, is uniquely positioned to have influence over the people who are struggling amongst you. You are called to think about reimagining how we do business. You've walked through this sermon series. I apologize if this is the the grand finale. (laughs) And throughout this, you've you've heard stories, I'd assume, and throughout our Christian identity, and for those of you who are new here, perhaps you you haven't yet, but you will, you've, you've heard about Ruth, about the people of Uz, right? About this guy named Job. You've heard of the Good Samaritan. And if you know anything about the historical reality, Samaritans weren't exactly popular folks of that time. And then through Christ, through a reimagining of who is in and who is out, of how we do faith, now the Samaritan is known as the Good Samaritan. We hear this morning about Christ's disciples unable to cast out the evil spirit. And Jesus' reaction to them, it's disappointment. And I have to imagine it has something to do with they were trying to expel the Spirit in the way it had always been done, perhaps. But through Christ, through a reimagining of how we love, there was a new way. So whether or not God literally cast out this demon from a child, whether or not the child was physiologically, clinically healed of their infirmity, whether or not that actually happened, I'm challenging you right now. The truth of our gospel story this morning rests in the opportunity of transformation, the opportunity that the disciples had to reimagine how they were going to love for, care for each other, their community, those who came to them in need of help. So I say again, it's no coincidence that that which lies ahead is the season of Lent. It is no coincidence that spring is on the, the horizon. It is no coincidence that we have gathered together today in this liturgical season to pause before we enter into the Lenten season of reflection. It's no coincidence that we're called, perhaps, on this Sunday, after we've seen our global community cut its teeth on the flesh of innocent people that we are called and asked to reimagine how we will be harbingers of hope and love and peace in a world whose future is undetermined at the moment. We have an opportunity today. We have an opportunity to reimagine the old ways of being. We have an opportunity to reflect upon our own actions, our historical choices, those who we've loved and how we've loved them, maybe those that we aren't loving enough, maybe ourselves. 
We have the opportunity to reimagine the old ways of being, the old ways of doing, and we have the opportunity to see a new and lit path of love offered by our God for all peoples. A love that has no fine print, a love that has no expiration date, but only one requirement. That we here will take this opportunity, that we here will take this reimagined love that we are forced to look at today, this reimagined gift which we have been given, this opportunity to transfigure life in our own way, in our own community, in our own relationships, and go forward out of those doors, transfigured with the will of Christ upon our hands and the work of our loving God within our hearts. Because then and only then, I believe, once we take this question and this inquiry and this reflection and we move it into action, we go into the margins where God is calling us to go. We be bold in our proclamation of love. Only then shall the transfigurative power of God, which is throughout our narrative, throughout our story, throughout our history, be truly lived into. Perhaps only then are we bold enough to call ourselves Christians, willing to love, willing to reimagine. In the face of all that is ahead, with the knowledge of all that is behind. Our gospel and our call of reimagining also, and I don't want to let this slide, asks us and reminds us, perhaps, to know that we are more than the sum of our parts. Whatever triumphs and victories, whatever mistakes, whatever loves and hopes you have made or failed at, you are more than just the sum of those parts. So I can drone on about how we need to reimagine how we do community, but I also do not want to forget that we must reimagine how we love ourselves, how we find value and worth in our own identity, for you are loved. Lent invites us into an opportunity to reimagine how we love ourselves. I think that will also impact how we love others. So together, as our gospel this morning tells us, and the opportunity of this chance to reimagine, together we are astounded at the greatness of God. We are astounded at the opportunity to love. And therefore, in a reimagined and in a transfigured voice of love, Let all creation say amen. Amen. Amen.